Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true, personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. Shit. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we bring you a story that was originally performed on stage at the Flagstaff Festival of Science in October 2023. This was a collaboration with ECOS, the Center for Ecosystem Science and Society at Northern Arizona University, and Story Collider, a podcast that airs true science stories. So we worked with Jane Marks, who is a conservation ecologist and professor at NAU, who happens to be married to Bruce Hungate, who is the storyteller you will hear on this show today. Okay, so the two of them have been taking classes with us for like, what, like three years now? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And about a year ago, year and a half ago, Jane came to me, I think it was Jane, and was like, hey, 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 we need your help. We want to help our grad students, our PhD students, personalize their science stories. And we were like, awesome. Let's do it. So we did workshops with the students. Online, on Zoom, a couple of them. And then we flew out to Flagstaff and spent a weekend with these awesome people. And then we flew out again and workshopped their stories that they had written on the page to get them stage ready. And the first of that series is coming out today on Valentine's Day. And that one is by Bruce Hungate. And you're going to hear it today because it is a love story. We should also say that these stories are airing also on Story Collider. It was really them who came in and recorded. They sent in a couple of their people to work with these guys also for stage. But Andrea also jumped in and she helped a lot because she did live storytelling for nine years with this group she started, Lip Service. Is it a group? We say group. Yeah, it was a it was a night of true stories out loud called lip service. So thank you, thanks for giving me some props. Thanks. Well, I mean it's it's not around anymore, so it's not like we're trying to get business. It's just I'm trying to say that her experience also helped a lot in getting these stories ready for the stage, and we got to work with these other guys who came from Story Collider, and so we all learned so much as a collaboration, and it was it was really special. One thing I want to say is that the students from ECOS are freaking brilliant because they took their stories. First of all, they had to personalize their own stories, which wasn't kind of in their wheelhouse, but then they did. They wrote these very brilliant stories, but then they took those stories and told them out loud on stage without reading. Yeah. That is so hard. And these stories were vulnerable. It wasn't like they were standing up giving a presentation of some science something. I mean, they had no PowerPoints here. No, no. And they injected a lot of vulnerability, every one of the stories. 
So the story that you're going to hear today is by Bruce Hungate, and it is a great example of how to take a love story and infuse it with science. Awesome. All right. Bruce is a professor and director of ECOS at NAU, as mentioned. We gave you a little insight into ECOS. And if you're not uh, familiar with it, jump on the NAU site and just put in E-C-O-S-S because it's really kind of crazy, amazing what he's doing, what they are doing, Jane and Bruce, for science. Bruce conducts research on ecosystems and how they respond to and shape environmental change. He also trains future scientists and communicates discovery and its relevance to ding-dongs like us and to all people. (laughs) But this whole thing was Bruce and Jane's love child just really trying to do something because what they were doing, they felt it wasn't having the effect that they wanted. It wasn't reaching the right people. And so hopefully by injecting the personal and really you know, developing trust in scientists, they can create real change in this world and save our earth. Also happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Back with Bruce's story after the break. I'm Allison Langer. And every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. We're back. I'm Andrea Askowitz, and this is Writing Class Radio. Here's Bruce Hungate. The summer after my junior year in college, I worked in a microbiology lab. I was studying tiny bacteria that live on rocks in the Negev Desert. They oxidize manganese, and over thousands of years, they turn the rocks black. The desert varnish. I loved how tiny details of science could tell a story about nature. But I wasn't sure microbiology was the career for me. I was deep into musicology. In the lab, I listened to Ludwig van Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, the Pastoral, a symphony that tells a story about nature with music. I was obsessed with the second movement called Seen by a River or Schöne am Bach in the original German, that it opens with the strings in this lilting descending line that sounds like flowing water. That little turn at the end, like an eddy in a river. I loved how music could tell a story about nature too. We studied that piece in music theory class, which is also where I met Carissa. Carissa played the violin. 
She wore cut-off jeans and torn T-shirts. I wore cut-off jeans and torn T-shirts, too. I proposed we play chamber music together, and she said yes. A few hours after theory class one day, we met to rehearse. We'd been assigned to analyze Seen by a River by Beethoven, and I asked her if she'd looked at the assignment. She looked at me. That assignment isn't due for a month? I looked back at her, ignoring her, pulling out the score from my backpack because I was really excited to show her what I'd discovered. I'd been analyzing the harmony since, you know, class, the three hours ago. And, and I showed her this one passage that I thought was great, and I said, don't you love how the deceptive cadence extends the line? She looks at me. No, no, no. We're set up to resolve to, to the tonic. It's the dominance. It's this big, long tension, right? But we don't resolve to the tonic. We go to the dominant of the submediant, and it keeps going. She said, we're not in theory class, Bruce. Stop it. But I kept going because it's like we're in the river. And when we think the river's going to end and we're getting there, and we think it's going to end, but it's not the end. It's a bend. And there's more glorious river music ahead. She looked at me again and said, can we go play music now? If I couldn't connect to Carissa with music theory, how could I connect with the world? I thought about my job in the microbiology lab and in biology class, how I'd learned that microbes affect the climate. Everyone's interested in climate, right? Yeah. I still loved music theory. I still do. But I needed a subject that could connect with other people. So I thought I should give the microbes another chance. Two years later, I'm a PhD student at UC Berkeley in the Department of Biology. And so is my new love interest, Jane. Jane wears torn t-shirts, too. She is hot. The summer after that first year, I am knee-deep in Jane's Riffle. Jane's Riffle is a short stretch of the Eel River where Jane does all her PhD research, all about the algae. Jane adores the algae, and she's working on what controls how much algae you get in a river. Is it the nutrients in the water? Is it the chemistry of the water, the pH of the water, the temperature of the water? But her favorite idea is that it's a food chain. It's the fish that eat the insects that eat the algae. And if you have enough fish that eat the insects and, 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 and mow them down, then you'll have lots of algae. We waded through the water looking from plot to plot, and I got to a plot with no fish. Looked in, and the, the insects had mowed down the algae. It was just a tiny thin. They'd mowed it down like grad students on pizza. We got to a plot with the fish, and there were algae everywhere. This is called a trophic cascade. I love talking with Jane about trophic cascades and about the algae. And what's so great is that she loved talking with me about soil carbon and the microbes that live there, the topic of my PhD research. I was looking at what happens with more CO2 in the air, what happens to soil carbon. And the big idea at the time was, with more CO2 in the air, that's like more plant food. The plants are going to grow more, and they're going to put more carbon in the soil, which would slow climate change. But my research showed that the extra carbon that got in the soil, the microbes there ate it up and sent it back to the atmosphere as CO2. We needed to know that. We need to know that to make good predictions about what's going to happen with climate change. And to know what can we do in soil to, to make it take up more carbon and store it to slow climate change down. And I discovered in my PhD that moments of discovery like that were just as thrilling as finding meaning in deceptive cadence in Beethoven. But my qualifying exam was coming up, quals. This is a rite of passage in the PhD 
where you're in a dark basement room, no windows, and three intimidating overlords, I mean professors, ask you question after question after question until you whimper, I don't know. I had to prepare. Jane had aced her quals, and she knew a lot about ecology, so she asked me practice questions. Could predators in soil promote soil carbon like fish promote algal growth? Could trophic cascades matter in soil? My mind was blown. And since then, for 30 years, we've been talking about science and theory and experiments and Jane's work in the water and my work in soil together making mud. And we're testing that trophic idea in soil now. If we add predators to soil, will we get more soil carbon, slowing climate change? These experiments are happening right now. We're harvesting one next week. I'm so grateful to be collaborating with scientists here and around the country who care so deeply about soil carbon and the microbes that live there. We will keep refining the science to get it right. And I will keep refining the story. If you haven't noticed, this is a love story. Because I found someone who cares about the tiny details and the stories they tell just as much as I do. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love hearing Bruce's voice. And mostly because we went through this process together. We took hikes and went back and forth trying to take this from the page to the stage. This is not brief. You may have realized this from <laughs> listening to him. So trying to get him to get this down to a short... Wait, wait. What? First, we had to take it from Bruce's brain yeah. to the page, then page to stage. This was a multi-tiered process. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But go on. hundred percent. And it's funny because... You did this for a long time with lip service, stories out loud and stuff like that. You you worked from the page to the stage. So you're familiar with landing endings, like, you know, the last words or last sentences of a paragraph or story or something like that so that it, it has the most impact. Yeah, there's an out loud kind of tenet, which is land your sentences, your paragraphs and the, you know, your whole story on the strongest note, which Bruce does. Yeah, but it didn't, it just doesn't always come naturally because we want to run on. Even when I'm yelling at my kids, like I should have ended it a long time ago, but I'm like, and, and, and another thing, right? Yeah. Shut up. So it's like really working. That takes work. And Bruce was willing to do the work. Oh yes, he was. He just also has a presence. Like he's calm. He waits for the laughter. He enjoys it. He's like got the facial expressions, like, whoo. It was so good. You really couldn't hear the audience laughing, but they were cracking up. I mean, I did hear it a little bit. You can't hear it as well as it sounds like there were three people in the audience, but the place was packed. True. It's true. The this the sound of the audience laughing isn't as big as it was in person. But I right now when we when we just listened to it, I really enjoyed hearing when people laughed and the, and the laughter. I want to get to the end and talk about the end because the landing is so beautiful and it's also a direct address and it also is sort of higher register. So he says, if you haven't noticed, this is a love story. 
I found someone who cares just as much as I do. And um, he built that case throughout. I felt him caring so, so much about everything. Like I wrote my, I wrote a note at the very beginning when he's talking about the desert varnish. He was so jazzed. And then like a paragraph later, he's talking about being like deep into musicology and the symphony that tells a story. So first it was like environment tells a story and then this and the symphony tells a story. And he's also he's so into it. What Bruce did was Bruce told a love story and then he snuck in this really important information about science and how microbes and how carbon works in soil. Well, do you remember when he first like started writing with us a couple years back and he would like go off on these science, like technical, like descriptions and stories. And, and you and I were like, what the fuck is going on? How do we yeah, give yeah, this yeah. guy, you know, feedback on something we don't even understand? Yeah. He's dialed it back, but he's still so excited. Yes. But, but, but the point here is that his main goal in coming to writing and writing with us and hiring us to come out there and do these things is because he wants mainstream people to understand the science behind climate change. And so his mission is so big. And now that I know it and we're familiar with it, now we've been able to help him bring that to the mainstream. And that's the whole beauty of this piece. It's so relatable. It's so understandable. And he's basically been able to dumb it down for us so that we can stop ruining the environment. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I'm, I'm saying that he's so in love with the discoveries that science that he makes in science as he's so in love with Jane. Because he now has someone that he can talk to about it. And they've been talking about this stuff for 30 years. Like her infatuation with water <laughs> and his infatuation with soil. Like that line together, making mud. Ah, they've made two mud babies. I know. That are now, you know, in their 20s. Yeah. Their son played the piano just like Bruce, like out of the out of control, like symphony type amazing performance. Like these people are fucking brilliant. Can we just say that? Talent. The whole family. Talent, talent. Yeah, they are. So there were some things about the writing that I just thought were so good. The one thing that you just already mentioned, which is how he dumbed down the science in a way that made me understand it. But also, okay, so when he's there with Clarissa and he's going on and on. and um, Larissa. Clarissa. Oh, it's Larissa. No, it's Carissa. Oh, it's Carissa. There's no oh. L at all. <laughs> you, you thought it was Larissa? Carissa. Well, something was wrong. Okay, you're right. Carissa. You're right, yeah, Carissa. Right. So he's going on and on about Carissa and he's talking about, I noticed it before he noticed it, which made me so, when he noticed it, it was so satisfying. So he's he's talking about how like the piece of music doesn't resolve. It just keeps going. And I'm thinking, good Lord, he just keeps going. And then he was like, and then I kept going. And I thought that was just such good writing because that was deliberate. He knew that he was going and going and going. You know why we forgot her name? Because now we are in love with Jane and who gives a fuck about Carissa. Yeah, exactly. You're right. And also he couldn't connect with Carissa because she was not even interested. Because she wasn't Jane. Okay. Yeah, I know. He just didn't know it yet. Thank God for Carissa because Carissa just like he, there was that moment where he said, if I couldn't connect with Carissa through music theory, how could I connect with other people? 
This guy is like connector, connector to the core. He's like, he reminds me of Zeus, my dog. You just compared Bruce to your dog? No, I mean, well, because he like wants to be so connected. And I, I, I identify with my dog too. I, I'm sorry, Bruce. I didn't mean to, you know, dog you down. Okay. Um, what about this? <laughs> what about this line? <laughs> what about this line? Jane wears torn t-shirts too. So cute. Yeah. And that was a callback. Love it. So Explain we were like, callback. yeah. Explain it. A callback is when the narrator sets something up it, at, earlier in a story and then brings it back. So we already know what what the significance of a t- of torn t-shirts are when he tells us that Jane also wears torn t-shirts. The line that didn't land for some reason is being knee deep in Jane's riffle. I think because people don't know what riffles are. I know. It, the riffle explanation came later. And t- if it had been explained prior and then he was knee deep. Yeah, that's a good comment. That's our bad. That's an editor's mistake. Dang it. Because I just thought that line was so funny. But that's because I had already knew what a riffle was when it was coming up. But yeah, you're right. You had to know it. Anyway, Trophic Cascade. He loved talking to Jane about Trophic Cascades. Now we're like in love with Jane. I know. God, anyone who will sit through a Trophic Cascade over and over. (laughs) Well, Jane was the one who was into Trophic Cascades. And so- right. It was her science, but then that now is being applied to his. Right. Which I thought was really cool. When he explained that to us on our hike, I was like, that's really brilliant that they were able, he was able to like, oh, wait a minute. If it works for this, maybe it'll work for this. I thought that was really cool. But anyway, I just hope that our listener can understand. I think they can what it means when our narrator says trophic cascade. It's like this. We're both doing our hands the way he did them to us. It's true. It's like this it's different levels. This animal eats this and causes this reaction. Well, I am very impressed with how we learned exactly what trophic cascades mean and the way this narrator explained it to us so brilliantly and simply. So question for you. Have you done anything different, like environmentally since, you know, since we left Flagstaff, like has this made an impact on you? Like at all the stories that we heard, I don't like this question because it kind of breaks my heart. I've noticed over and over again, how like difficult it is for people around me to do the simplest things. And I don't mean to like call out other people and not call out myself. I was just at my brother's house the other day. And I was pulling plastic out of the garbage, plastic bottles. Like, why can't you fucking recycle people? Well, I have a better idea. Why are we still producing plastic bottles? If they're there, we're going to do it. So that's the problem. I just think that we, if we cared about our world, we would stop that. I agree. It's impossible to get people to change their behaviors. But it's not even just that. It's like driving flying, all those things. It takes such fuel, but it's there. And if it's there, we're going to use it. And so I feel like we have to tackle this stuff at the bottom. And But people who are making the laws really actually have to listen to the scientists and start believing. And the whole point of this whole project is to start to be able for the society and the community and the world and all the proper people to start 
believing these scientists, one scientist at a time, because I think people think it's bullshit and it's not. Some people do. A lot of people do. What I think Bruce did is Bruce in the most base sense personalized his science story because he cares about science in the way that he cares about connecting. That's why he cares about all of this. And that's the importance of personalizing stories so that people understand and listen and hear. And I do think that that is the way to get through to the politicians, to the legislature and all the people that are making the rules to the public. Yeah. And to the public. So let's keep at it. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce, for sharing your story. And thank you, Story Collider, for collaborating with all of us, NAU, of course, as well. And thank you guys for listening. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer. And me, Andrea Askowitz. Audio production by Matt Kundle, Evan Serminski, Chloe Emil Lane, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. The music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. If you want to write with us every week, or if you're a business owner, community activist, group that needs healing, entrepreneur, scientist, or you want to help your team write better, check out all the classes we offer on our website, writingclassradio.com. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and the support from other writers. To learn more, go to our website or patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.